0: Men to a Sunday night's Longhorn live stream on Texas football. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas. And on three, uh, this uh, episode brought to you guys by the Cross Oak Group. Uh, Rod, Jerry, Longhorns escape uh, beating Kansas State 33 to 30. Uh, we've all had a chance to rewatch the game at least once uh, today uh, to give people our thoughts on it. We've got that. We've got recruiting news. We've got news that Texas uh, plays at TCU at 6.30 on ABC uh, on Saturday night. So that's going to be a night game. Also, Vegas and their uh, intelligence uh, has put out the line for this game. Longhorns favored by nine. Nine. Mm. And that is with a backup quarterback at at, at quarterback? Or is it with Quinn yours? Or is there going to be a new quarterback? We don't know. Uh, Texas fan and yeah. super well, I got, I am bringing great news tonight, Bobby. TCU and red
1: zone scoring percentage is 128th in the country. Texas is better in the red zone than somebody. Rod, <laughs> this is your game,
2: Amen, brother. Good news all around. Good news. There you go. <laughs> hey, I, I tell you what, uh,
0: you know, I've been thinking about and rewatched the game like, again today, and Longhorns, fellas, I. I I just can't say enough about the Texas defense when it mattered the most. Um, they they stood up, and uh, they were the reason Texas won that game. I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from Adonai Mitchell and Jonathan Brooks and the offense line, Malik Murphy even, Yeah. Uh, and what happened there. But the Texas defense, when the Longhorns needed them the most to can keep their dreams and hopes alive, the Longhorn defense stood up. The other person that stood up, Bert Auburn, uh, four to four, four out of four, including one in overtime that could have it could have gone the wrong way because Texas. I mean, look, they the momentum was against the Longhorns at that point in time. He went in there, Texas didn't move the ball at all in overtime. Went in there, made the kick like it was nobody's business. Uh, Longhorns emerged victorious. Uh, of course, there has been some pro football today. I don't know if you guys saw it, but C.J. Stroud for the Houston Texans went off. Uh, I mean, just incredible. That look, the, yeah. the Texans finally mm-hmm. look like they have a franchise quarterback.
2: Hey, we yeah. had a franchise quarterback. You,
0: was it uh, 25 years since that they, 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 hey. they went down? Uh, Cowboys just lost to the Eagles, a tough one, but yeah. um, look, interesting. Uh, Matt, our producer, by the way, I, I, we're going to say this and he's going to be vilified from here on. He is actually a Eagles fan Uh-oh. somehow, so excuse him. Uh, but anyways, Baker Mayfield had a really Long- tough, Baker Long- Mayfield Long- about Long- recruiting weekend. too. Jerry, go ahead. You're saying uh, I, put, I was just said
1: Baker Mayfield had a tough weekend, man. Mm.
0: So sorry for him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, my heart, my heart
0: goes play. out to me. Not you know, <laughs> I not not a Baker Mayfield fan. Uh, all right, Let, let's talk a little Longhorn football. Rod, I know you rewatched it today. Some initial takes on
2: second watch. Uh, yeah, man, the dominance of the Texas uh, run defense is probably what stood out the most. I mean, it's all around, you, you can really be complimentary on the Texas defense. But um, I heard Byron Murphy talking about this after, after the game and said, you know, the message that was sent was that you're not going to run the ball on Texas. They're stubborn. They're bullish about their rush defense. Uh, that was one of the best rush defense. Uh, rush defensive performances we've ever seen, honestly, yes. Texas football. It was. Yes. Considering how good K-State was running the football. They were a top five rushing offense in the country going into that game, guys, with two, with a duo dual-threat quarterbacks. A dual-threat quarterback is considered kind of what cheat code anyway, all right, to a rush defense. And yet Texas had to deal with two of them. I told you how tough it would be to have a two different game plans during the week you had to come up with. And Texas allowed – what the few the fewest rushing yards to a K State Wildcat team since 2014 and again yes. Whoa! Since 2014, yes. right? Rod, Rod, we Bobby and I talked about this this morning. I, have you ever
1: seen a team, unless um, unless they played Alabama in in Nick's heyday, really, that was a top five rushing team in the country, but that by the middle of the second quarter uh, had to completely abandon it? Abandoned it. Abandoned yeah, yeah, yeah. the game plan again, abandoned their strength. I mean, that was crazy domination by the Texas defensive front.
0: I'll tell you another thing, they abandoned Avery Johnson. Yes, the
2: they didn't even he didn't in series he almost threw a pick, and they said, Uh uh-uh. uh, yeah, they were done. Yeah, I agree with that, that. that. I thought that would be a factor, it was not. Yeah, anything else
0: you noticed, Rod, on that, that second rewatch other than the, the, the defensive? Um, the defense, yeah. uh, defense of line success.
2: Uh, I also noticed, uh, you know, Sarek, I know, I, in terms of him getting extreme with formations, he did it in different ways. He did it more instead of the, um, you know, more with 6-0 line packages. That was some of that use. And instead of, you know, more empty sets, and they did use some empty sets too. Uh, he used a lot of quads uh that he used uh still extreme like i said still going extreme but you saw three by one set you saw quads in there um so sark just got creative uh in a lot of ways with what he was gonna do and you know even though the offense got bogged down i think it was more about the quarterback is why the offense got bogged down not the creativity of sark uh but that's still on sark i mean sark's got to sark's the biggest issue uh, that we have, and I think Jerry is probably <laughs> um, the, the the loudest <laughs> um, critic in terms of uh, how Sark has mismanaged some of the, the the end of halves of 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 some of these games, right? Particularly the first half, and once again, Sark kind of with some of the play calling, you could argue that he breathes life. Into the opponent, so you you want to be critical of anything, and it's like I said, you can't it, this team has a lot of grit and fortitude, so I want to celebrate that. I don't want to be too critical, uh, but yeah, Sark's feel of the game at times is off because at one point I think you could have put the nail in the coffin for K State, but I think but because of the way Sark called the game, he almost gave them hope. And I think it's like the second time this year he's done that. Maybe even the third time. But the second time he did it, especially with the U of H game with the fake field goal. That was one of those situations where, man, Texas is up. They're dominating this game. And the fake field goal happens. The other team gets life. And then they start to believe they can play. And then the game is way closer than it needs to be. This game shouldn't have been close, let's be honest. This game should have been a blowout. It should have been Texas winning by three scores. Now, I didn't anticipate that. Nobody did. Even Vegas right. had it as a three-point game. But with the way Texas came on to perform early, they should have been able to choke the life out of K-State, and they, they didn't. They let K-State stick around. Um, so that that's one thing you want to be critical of is you want more of the killer instinct, and I want the Sarks feel of the game to be better.
0: I, I would say this. No one prepares for two fourth-quarter turnovers, though, Rod. No, I They you. don't have either of those two turnovers – it's still a long day for Kansas state to come back. Right. Um, I, 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 I hear you and I'm not, I don't think you're wrong. I will say this. uh, I don't think he, he, I don't think uh, Steve Sarkeesian's worrying about firing his defensive coordinator today. Uh, No, we also didn't mention this at the outset, Lincoln Riley finally, uh, you know, escorts uh, Alex Grinch out of the building uh, fires his defensive coordinator, longtime defensive coordinator, followed him to USC from uh, Oklahoma. Uh, so that's happened. Uh, that I mentioned that because partially one of the things that we were following this weekend, Jerry dealt with recruiting, and Xavier Philsame, the uh, uh, defensive back out of the Dallas area, was actually on his official visit to USC this weekend and happened to see that catastrophe uh, occur mm-hmm. in the Coliseum. Um, Uh, What's the latest news on recruiting? I know there's something out there about Solomon Williams and and some other guys. What are you hearing uh, from yesterday and and today? Yeah, Solomon was at the Alabama LSU
1: game, and Alabama, uh, coming out of that, Alabama thinks they're in the top two, whereas Texas, how hard is Texas going to push in this last couple weeks? We'll find out. I think with Oregon getting Elijah rushing. Um, you know, that may take them out of play unless they just want to get greedy on edge rush prospects in this class. Texas AM was the favorite, uh, but who knows where they're at right now. I mean, I I and and you know, how how bad does Texas want to add a third ed, high school edge in this class? So it's coming down to the wire there. Um, Texas continues the battle for DeAndre Carter. Kids having a tough time making the decision at the end of the day. I I said this before, there's an Quicker, not e- I don't want to say easier because it's not ever easy. Quicker path to the field at Auburn with their rebuild versus Texas. Who, if you look at the guards at Texas, mm-hmm. are they going to lose one? I mean, so there's a little more there. There, you have a little have to have a little more patience on the positive for Texas side, much easier travel for the family. Texas is a better is in a better trajectory as a program. Obviously, Kyle floods development, which I think. Kyle Flood's development is so big. Brandon Baker was in the stands Saturday. I mean, guys, we'll talk about it, but that was Cam Williams' first real game action. Yeah. And he came out a raw prospect out of high school. Um, and, uh, you know, th- th- he's he's showing some signs. He's going to be a really good
0: player. Absolutely. Uh, we'll talk about that more from the Longhorns contest uh, on Saturday. 33-30 win in overtime. Uh, guys, I, I have to tell you, um, I I think that uh, all of us had that uh, heart beating moment. Rod and I actually were watching it from <laughs> Schultz's garden together. Yeah, uh, and you know that whole place erupted. Yes, I sir. can't imagine what it was like inside the stadium. I was there for the first half, and then went over to Schultz's to watch the second half to prepare for the the post game. Uh, you know, this is a this is an interesting time for Longhorn fans because Texas now eight and one. Best record since 2009. Uh, Is it a perfect? uh, Rod uses this term, and I love it. They're not. They're not an. They're. They are a flawed team. Yep. But they are a good team, and they've had a couple breaks go their way. They've had a couple go against them uh, as well. Uh, But this team is 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 it's standing up at a time when they need to stand up and be accounted for right now. And I, I'm, I, I feel like uh, for all of us that said, okay, this year felt like it was going to be different. It literally was the first time I've picked Texas to win 10 games, I think in 10 years, just so y'all know. <laughs> um, I, it, it does feel different uh, to me. And this is why uh, not only do they have the depth, uh, but they've, they've also built a little something at, coming off of this year. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian now 14 and four in his last 18 games as a Texas head coach. Uh, I, I think Jimbo Fisher is five and four in his last nine, uh, just to give you an example. Uh, so I, I look at it, and I think that Texas is headed in the right direction, not just this year, uh, but overall as well. All right, we're going to take your questions tonight. Uh, Rod and Jerry are going to be talking as well. Uh, before we get to doing that, I want to say thank you to our sponsor. That sponsor is the Cross Oak Group. Uh, the Sunday night live stream each and every week is brought to you by the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the Statehouse to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. We appreciate them. Uh, for their sponsorship. All right, let's get it going, guys. Uh, Rod, you you want to take a question first, Bud?
2: Yes, sir. Let's do it.
0: All right, let's get it going, man. Uh, let's start here. And it's it's it, we're we're not we're we're not saving the best for last. We're just going to get straight into yeah. it. William Nee. in your opinion, Rod, what should Sark do with Malik? He started off good, but ended up being erratic, making horrible decisions with the ball. The second interception was unacceptable. Give Arch a shot. Period or question mark? For... <laughs> Wait, yours comes back.
2: What's, uh, what's the answer, Rod? Man, that's a great question because think about it. There were two interceptions that got dropped too, right? That was, a, that was that interception, the red zone that got dropped. There was another one that got dropped. And, man, you can tell his confidence uh, just started to wane after that first pick, that first interception. And then he got his own head, then the footwork, the mechanics, all of it started to kind of spiral and for Sark, you know, I it, usually I give Sark a lot of credit because when Quinn has those had those moments, I thought Sark did a good job of being able to get him back into a rhythm, get him back on track. I don't, I mean, I, I know I know that Malik made plays at the end of the game, but I'm not, I'm never sure he got back into a rhythm. I think he just made, he just found a way to make some plays and give him a lot of credit. Hey, you got to be clutch in clutch time. He made clutch throws in clutch time. I'll give him credit for that. I'm never sure he got into a rhythm. I think he was pretty erratic. After that first interception, and that would be my concern is that now you're talking about what five turnovers in two games you're talking about multiple interceptions that have been dropped. That probably could have been more interceptions. If that, if one of those interceptions is you know, if, if one of if that's a game, I mean, honestly, if they catch one of those interceptions, you could argue Texas loses that game. So it, it is something Stark needs to consider. Will Stark do it? Stark's a quarterback, so he thinks like a quarterback. We know this because he will throw it even with a backup quarterback, because I think he almost puts himself in the shoes of that quarterback saying, man, I don't want to just hand it off. I want to throw it. I'm a quarterback. And I think that helps him recruit quarterbacks, which is great. That's why you got five-star quarterbacks in your room. (laughs) But uh, I think also it can work against them as a play caller at times, because Jerry has, you know, broken down kind of the ratios, or run pass ratios early on. And even with a backup quarterback, and a a really good, you know, consistent run game against K-State, hey, Sark wanted to throw the football. And, you know, I I, I go back to – and that's why I think he may stick with Malik because he may think to himself like a quarterback, hey, all quarterbacks struggle. You know, I mean, early on, the growing – you got to work through the growing pains. And I'm here to help. He did that with Quinn last year, guys. You know that. There were times last year you probably could have put Hudson Card in there and maybe help you win a game. Oklahoma State is probably one that comes to mind. But he wants to stick with his guy because I think he understands once you get past the growing pains, that's when you'll get to really that, that that consistent baseline of performance. I wouldn't doubt if he just go he sticks with Malik because he thinks he's going to work through the growing pains. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just trying to psychoanalyze my man, sir. I,
1: I, I will, I'll say this, um, and, and I'm not I'm not being mean. It, this is just reality. For Malik to be a successful back quarterback at the college level long term um he can't be that careless with the football he's got to keep working to have a quicker release because he's reverting in games to the low ball below the water it's taking way too long to get out he's feeling pressure that's not there he's step, he's not stepping into throws because he had good pass protection the other night but you know it, we talked about the interceptions that could have been but there were seven eight passes guys just just not even close enough for pl- receivers to make a play on balls in the dirt, five yards in front of a receiver. You he's got to get to a point. Um, and maybe it'll happen with experience. I don't we don't know. Quarterback's unpredictable, right? Um, he's never been an accurate guy, though. That's the issue. He's got to overcome never being a true, a real accurate quarterback. I'm not talking about on-air passing competitions, I'm talking about games. Um, so he's gonna have to overcome that. He's gonna have to make some big strides. Uh, because um, he, he's got a, you know, you can't be that careless with the football. If you're, it's one thing if you're a kind of a a gunslinger, but if you're a gunslinger, then inaccurate on top of on top of it, that's an issue. You have a lot to overcome, so he, he's got a lot of work in front of him. It's only two starts, but for people that act like oh, he's just a young quarterback who got over it, eh, he, there, there's a lot. There's a lot he's got to
0: improve here. A lot. I will say this. Uh, look, I, I've kind of taken up for him a little bit because I feel like he needs to. Uh, when that game got tied, he completed three key passes:
1: mm-hmm.
0: two to eye. To I'm trying to say his name correctly. Thanks, guys, for those guys in the chat trying to explain. Um, they, two to him, and then two, and then that fourth down conversion to J.T. Sanders. Mm-hmm. So ultimately. Uh, and this goes to Rods. Talk about does he have that clutch gene a little bit? Ultimately, when the game was on the line, he didn't turn it over and he delivered. That- now, did he deliver enough to win the game outright with a touchdown in overtime or, or a touchdown? No, he didn't. But uh, you know, I, I feel like, look, he it is only a sec. It was only a second game. My answer is, okay, not necessarily Arch or Malik. My answer is get Quinn Ewers back as soon as possible. <laughs> this is, that is the solution that we would all agree upon, right? I mean, uh, clearly. And so Texas needs uh, Quinn Ewers back. Will he be back in time? There's a couple questions in the chat about that. And we just don't know. We don't have that information yet. Uh, Jerry, I know you talked to someone close to him. And it's just, we'll just have to see how this week goes, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll have to see how the week goes. Um, uh, that that's the be- that's where we're at right now. Look, I I do I will say he was lightly tossing the football around last week at, uh, on the sidelines of practice. So is he ahead of schedule? Sark even thought mentioned he's coming along. Okay. You know, so, and Sark's been pretty transparent about injuries this year. I mean, he was
0: transparent about Ethan Burke, and we didn't believe that. That's exactly wow. right. I mean, believed believe that Ethan Burke would be back two mm-hmm. weeks later. But Sark mentioned on Thursday, I really like his progress. What does he do? He goes out there and has two sacks, including a sack fumble that really, I mean, if that wouldn't have happened for Texas, where would the Longhorns be on on, uh, Saturday afternoon after after all was said and done? So uh, I agree with you, Jerry. Uh, We hope that Jalen Catalan also getting work back, uh, we we believe right now, uh, according to Sark as well. So uh, there are a number of players that are working their way back, we hope. Uh, to see him Saturday night uh in Fort Worth. All right, let's go to this one uh from Patrick Smith. Since you all grade the offense, defense, and special teams, can y'all start grading Sark's coaching as well? Yeah, we could. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little difficult knowing, you know, not knowing everything in the immediate aftermath of something like this. I will say this, and I mentioned this to Rod in post game. Steve Sarkeesian outcoached Chris Kleiman, in my opinion.
2: For the third but- time.
0: Chris Plyman is the one that went for it on fourth down.
2: For the third time, Bobby. Yeah. For the, exactly. for the third three time.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. And, and here's the other piece to it, guys. That, that I mean, it was Steve Sarkeesian's game plan that got out to a 17-0 lead.
2: Yeah. I mean,
0: so deep. They thought they knew they were going to get it. Let's test them. <laughs> to, to, it was your also, point, up, to your point, Bobby. <laughs> that K-State you out out the K-State came out. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. The pitch also to Cedric Baxter on fourth and one. A hey, QB sneak. Yep. What were you saying, Jerry? Uh, that they, they came out in
1: man and thought yep. they. I mean, I, that I know that blue rods mine. That they came out in man and Sark was like, "Oh my God, I get to go to the man, screw the man."
2: The man. Here we go, we're bombs away, baby. I can't, I can't believe it. For us, what are they gonna do? I knew they would play man. They were playing press man.
1: Yes, man. It's oh my gosh, this is—I've been waiting for this script since Bama.
2: Uh, <laughs> Brought back the Bama script. Hold oh. up, Let me read that Bama oh, script. Oh, 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 that's page nine. Hold on, <laughs> Rod would—it
0: would be somewhere in Rod's notebook, that, that, no doubt, right, I don't Rod? Know. It was. Hey, hey, hey Rod, what, exactly what did happens. they? We talked about it, but what did they essentially end up doing other than tug on Xavier Worthy's jersey repeatedly? Uh, in past defense to kind of slow Texas down a little bit? Uh,
2: really, it was essentially they stopped playing so much man coverage. Uh, they started playing a lot more uh, zone coverage. And let's be honest, your quarterback was off. I mean, if you, <laughs> your quarterback was on, I mean, it, the, their their coverage wouldn't have looked so great. I mean, there were a lot of throws that were just behind guys uh, that were just off, inaccurate. Plays were there. You know, some of the throws were just off. Uh, and that's what even getting back to the, what should have been a pass interference. I get it. That should have been the pass interference. We, we can talk about that too, but um, yeah, I mean that throw me and Jerry talked about it. Hell man, that throw, if you just put it ahead of X man, that's a touchdown. And then that game's blown wide open and then the game might be over. And that's the, that's the gift and the curse of what Sir, Sark was doing. Right. He He decided, man, they're playing man coverage. I got to take these shots. And he took those shots, kept taking them shots. And then they actually kind of came back to haunt him on that one drive at the end of the half, close to the end of the half because one of the shots you didn't get and you didn't get the PI call and Texas was behind the chains. And then the young quarterback ended up throwing the pick and, and then everything kind of turned. And it was weird, and, and that's when Jerry was, I will give Jerry credit even before the drive, Jerry's like, he better run the ball. He should run the ball. He please run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Cause they were at the point, I think at that time, they're averaging eight yards per rush. Um, so Sark didn't want to run the ball, but they're giving you man bump and run coverage on the outside. I mean, they're daring you. They're daring you to throw it, man. They really were. They they were daring to. And I and, and Sark he couldn't he couldn't pass. And I, you know what? I'm not gonna blame him for passing on that. That's in his nature. You got to take that, guys. With X man, that's your that's your best player. It's your fastest player. Or you're arguably your best offensive player. Are going up against. You know, some I'm not gonna just call him a jabroni, but a, a probably a serviceable cornerback in case of, you got to take that. And so, I'm not at rewatch, I'm not mad at Sark for I'm not, I get it. That's in his nature, man. He's the scorpion in the frog, it's in his nature. He's he, he's he's the scorpion, can't change it.
0: <laughs> hey, uh, this went from Juan, uh, Bobby or Jerry. What do you think of USC firing their defensive coordinator? Mm-hmm. Did you see who the front runner is, uh, for? For Dave Aranda, assuming he is gone, I, I don't know if I buy that. If I'm if somebody brought
1: up in the chat, if I'm Lincoln Riley, I'm calling Jim Leonard and saying, "What's your number?"
0: Is he the oh, guy at Wisconsin still? Yeah. He's still there. No, he's I would there. call out this year. I would call the guy at Iowa State, the guy at Iowa. One of those two. Yeah, I mean they've done it in that league. Well, it's Jim Leonard, too.
1: Jim Leonard too at Wisconsin. Yeah,
0: yeah, Jim Leonard's done it in that league as well. Uh, that I like that. next year. Hey, I like by the that. way.
1: By the way, in that game, uh, it was interesting how Washington won that game. Going into that game, Washington had attempted, Kalen DeBoer had attempted 310 passes on the season and 193 rushing attempts. What did he do in that game? He only threw it 30 times and rushed it 41. Mm -hmm. The guy, he left what he wanted to do. To maximize his team to win a game with what he had to do, let's yeah. keep moving on.
2: <laughs> no, to, win, to win big games, man, you got to break tendency at one point. You do. You got to break tendency. And you got to be willing to leave what you want to do
1: to what you have to do to win a game.
2: Football is a like life is a constant struggle, deciding between what we want to be and what we need to be in order to survive you know, you got to make the proper adjustments. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there you go. I mean, Look with Malik Murphy
0: at, at the helm too. Texas is going to have to make adjustments clearly. And I think that's what, mm-hmm. uh, what we're looking at, but you know, I, I still think that it is possibility Quinn plays this week. So we'll, we'll have to wait and yeah. see. This is the uh, Sunday night live stream brought to you by the folks at the crossover group. I'm Bobby Burton joined by Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton. Uh, e Kim, one of our favorites here. He reads, he says this excellent weekend, Texas won Florida, LSU, OU, and the Aggies lost. Uh, did y'all get a chance to see any of that end of that uh, Oklahoma game? Hmm. By chance. That yeah. was brutal, brutally yeah. bad non-call. On, it made Xavier Worthy's, you know, hey, thing look...
2: Hey, you're not giving I me a call. If,
0: if I were Brent Venables, I'd be going nuts right now.
2: He went that nuts earlier in the game. Was,
0: that was went, very much... They, they, that was very much reminds me of the, I believe it was the 1993 Baylor game, which, which was Grant Taft's final game at Baylor, where literally the big 12 or the, the refs literally gave Baylor the game. I mean, this, yep. that here, it's yours.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's what that reminded me of. It was that bad. Now, Oklahoma State was a good team, but it, it was that bad. What, yep. Rod, what is past interference these days? You <laughs> hey no, I, are wish I was your playing choice, your dogs is playing. you tell us."
2: I, I was playing these days man because if you can get away with that kind of stuff your boy would have been all american across <laughs> the board first team come on <laughs> man come on these guys just grabbing I, I, it's crazy I cannot believe and I gotta go back and look at some more big 12 games and see if maybe this is some, an issue with other teams other than Texas and Oklahoma because there's such a you know a limelight on those teams. Um, but man, those are pretty egregious. I, I really, you know, guys, I, I don't blame officiating. I ain't trying to get in on officiating, but yeah, the Xavier Worthy one was kind of wild. Uh, there, were, there were multiple ones like that in the Texas game, but then the one on Drake Stoops the non-call and then the game that was wild. I mean, that was, like I said, I, I as a DB, I'll you know use that side with the DBs. That was a, that was an egregious non-call, man. Come on, and I'm not siding with Oklahoma, but. <laughs> That was bad, man. There's something, I don't, I'm not going to give it conspiracy theory, but either the Big 12 refs are just really that bad or there's something going on. We don't know. Ineptitude or conspiracy theory. Which one are we going with?
0: Wait
1: until basketball road games for Texas and OU in conference play. Just play. I,
0: I, I got to say this. I got to say this, Rod, and I want to I get your take on it. It seems to me college football has gone into this idea that it's okay to take away the receiver's hands before the ball gets there, but you just can't hit their body. That yeah. that I, I'm serious about that. That it's okay to make contact and knock their hands out of the way before the ball gets there. Just don't mess with their body somehow. Is that it? Yeah. Worthy exactly. clearly. I mean, the ball wasn't there, and he clearly got his hands taken away before the exactly. ball even got there. Yeah. Two people were right there. And I think that's the
2: deal. They they think, oh, if he doesn't move his body, and they just they're hand fighting, it's okay. I you might be on. Maybe I got to go back and look at it, yeah, and look at more of them. You might be on to something. I I don't know what their interpretation of the rule is. Everybody no, the one that was worst to me.
1: The one that was worse to me was the post corner in the end zone, though, because that was a clear grab on the cut. That wasn't somebody trying to turn make a play on the ball. That was just a grab when he cut to the corner route. I was like, I can't believe that one didn't get thrown. That was the one that really got me.
0: Yeah. Bad. All right. I, I, this one from Texas fan and Sooner land. Uh, can you guys please dispel any crazy theories about why the coaches are electing to not play arch? Thanks and love the show. Um, I don't think there's any crazy theories as why they're electing not to. I, I don't that I, that I've heard. I mean, Malik was number two and they went with the number two they've been going with him. Um, and they won two games in a row. Now you can argue about how they got there, but that's that's really what happened. And Sark said Malik was his number two going into the season. Mm-hmm. So anybody else trying to say, "Oh well, they don't want this or that," now do the Mannings want their son to possibly um, uh, to possibly redshirt? Yeah, maybe, but that's not why. I mean, they would he would have used him in against BYU and or uh, K State if he thought the situation was right.
2: Has Sark ever benched a quarterback?
1: Well, Sark's never start. Sark had never started a freshman quarterback, redshirt or true, in his career until Quinn last year. He's mm-hmm. never started a true freshman quarterback in his coaching career. But,
2: so Quinn, well, Quinn was the exception. Yeah, he was the first. Well, it wasn't
1: a true freshman though. Rod, He, red was, a shirt. True freshman. he was a red. Okay. Shirt. He was the first redshirt or true freshman that Sark's ever started at quarterback, based on okay. what somebody told me.
2: Do we know if he's ever benched a quarterback? Card. That's no, Hudson so. card and for, for Casey Thompson. Yeah, I guess so. That's probably yeah, the only, time I guess. The only time, Yeah. So, I yeah. guess, I mean, I, I think if he benches, he knows benching. And, and Card, by the way, Card wasn't his guy. I mean, I'm not saying he didn't like Hudson Card, but it wasn't his guy. Yeah. He so, didn't recruit
0: him. Yeah,
2: You know what I mean? I, I, I think it may have been easier for him to do. Yes. Because not my guy. Easier to bench that guy. I, I wonder, if we go back and look, if he has a harder time benching quarterbacks he recruits because of the emotional attachment and him playing the position and him almost coaching vicariously through them as a play caller, former quarterback slash coach. Not that's a bad thing, but I'm just saying like that. That's why he recruits quarterbacks really well because that's part of that connection he makes. But that connection also, he wants those quarterbacks to, he he's thinking, I didn't want to be benched if I made some mistakes and I don't, you know, I wonder if he th- he's thinking like that when he shouldn't be thinking about, Hey man, we got to get these, these wins. <laughs> the win is the most important thing. Uh, that's not the way he thought last season. Last season, he was more about quarterback development than wins at times, especially in the Oklahoma State game. So I just wonder, and he admitted that by the way, he's like, no quarterbacks need to go through growing pains, period. You guys just don't understand that. And he's the quarterback guru. We are not. So maybe he's thinking about the development of Malik in the future and how that'll work out. This team has won a lot of ways. Stark talks about it. Hey, we can win in a lot of different ways. And maybe he's thinking even with a young QB, we can find some way to persevere through the storm of growing pains.
0: Hey, here's one uh, from Dr. Knockers. Saw Christian Jones in a boot on Friday. We brought this up, Jerry. We thought it was just precautionary. Uh, I'm going to go back and say, you know, we missed it. Um, although we did hear about it on Friday afternoon after the live stream. Um, but, and didn't want to report it because it it hadn't been publicly reported, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Christian Jones out, but, uh, Cam Williams came in and and played, uh, really, really well in his, in his stead. I think
1: think Christian Jones, here's the thing. He was out for warmups. They tested him in warmups. They said, eh, no, no, he's not there. And they went with Cam, um, obviously, but it's not. It's not like Jones didn't give it a go and they made a game-time decision. They And Cedric Baxter was the same, and then you saw Cedric Limp a little bit at the end of that game. Both those guys, they wanted to watch and warm-up, see what they looked like, kind of like they did Ryan Watts at U of a, against University of Houston that Saturday. I watched Watts go through all the regular warm-ups and DB drills. Then when it came to team, he wasn't out there. And so they made a determination at that point, not, not good to go. Um, and, and that's essentially Christian Jones was, he was going through full warmups, um, but then Cam Williams was getting as many reps as he did. And I, they saw enough to say, now nah, he can't go.
0: All right. Um, explain, this is from Burt Reynolds. Uh, I, I guess he's an FSU fan, right? He went to Florida State. Uh, someone please explain what the downside is of giving Arch a shot after we've seen, after what we've seen from Malik. Seems like asymmetric upside to me. Right. Rod, you've tried to explain this uh, as well. And I don't. I think the downside risk is you've won two games with Malik as your starter. And things could have gone worse. I mean, Malik did His deep ball is one of the reasons why they were up 17 to nothing in the first place.
2: Yep. The deep I mean, ball's come yeah. back. Yeah, What's that? I think the deep ball has come back. We talked about that. One of the things that we theorized was that his deep ball was naturally – a better one than Quinn. Remember, you know, Quinn struggled with the D-ball. It's not a struggle for for Malik. He's got other struggles, right? Young quarterbacks are gonna—they all have their own struggles. They got different skill sets. He struggles elsewhere. Uh, you know, Quinn naturally was a touch thrower, his accuracy, uh, being able to layer the football really naturally from different platforms. Uh, that's not really the strength of of Malik. He's, accuracy he's not a natural accurate thrower of the football he's a natural kind of flamethrower. he's got a gun he's got an absolute cannon and his deep ball is great so he can make all the throws but can he make them accurately um that's the question so i think i think the thing is sark doesn't want to kill the confidence or hurt the confidence of a young quarterback like malik i think that's oh. what he's worried about I want to stay with you
0: here, Rod. Uh, this from Tony Stevens. Who gives Texas the best chance to win this week, in your opinion? Outside you can't pick Quinn Ewers. Ah, you can't pick Quinn Ewers. <laughs> that's that's who I picked earlier, by the way. Ah. What would it take for Sark to make a change? So go beyond that. Like, is it another two turnovers in the first half?
2: If they had caught, pop this, if they had caught those interceptions, he'd have made that change. Think about it. that interception in the red zone. The Interception, uh, that the linebackers, the linebacker dropped. If he if you didn't think about it, that's five, you didn't have seven turnovers. <laughs> One in, you know, what I mean, and that's that would be a lot in multiple turnovers in the red zone. I think Sark would have probably been forced to make a change because I think you'd lose the game, actually. Yeah. if that was the case. I think you'd end up losing that game. So it helped with you, Bobby. he's in a conundrum because you've been winning games, and he's a he's a reason why. But like I said, he's he's also – you've been winning despite him because he's a inconsistent – He's a limiting factor
0: because of the turnovers. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, and he hasn't necessarily operated the offense with accuracy at times.
2: Yeah, but and he's a rag, so he's not consistent. All right, hey, let's all three take this. This is from Jacob
0: Luna, and I think it's a good question for debate. Texas has three games remaining on the regular season schedule, guys. Uh, TCU this weekend – Iowa State the following weekend, and then close out on a Friday with a Friday game against Texas Tech at home. Okay, of those three games, which do you guys expect to be the toughest? The 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 end of the day, for me, I go with whatever's ahead of you until you know what Quinn's back.
1: So and and so,
0: I you know if if Quinn's back, I think that Iowa State and uh, uh, Iowa State. Uh, and tech, look more manageable. Until Quinn's back, I think you got to go with the game that's closest to you. I, here's my the,
1: here's my thing. I I think TCU because one, it's a road game, and two, look, Josh Hoover's young quarterback. Well, he, he had some turnovers um, against uh, against Texas Tech on the road there, but they are going. They have the best. Core of wide receivers and tight ends left on the schedule to attack a Texas vulnerable area, the best, at their own home field. They've lost four or five. Rally the Troops week. Here we go. The problem is TCU safeties are slow, and their Dominic Dominic Williams are very good over the ball, but they don't get a lot of pass rush from their front three either, like Kansas State. Uh, They're a little bigger, but they don't get pass rush like Kansas State, and you can run on that three-man front. Now, Rod's going to say, here come the three high, right? But I think it's TCU because offensively, they have the best chance to just have a really hot game against your weakness. That's where I'm going with this. I think Iowa State's going to struggle to score. Um, They couldn't score on Kansas, guys. I mean, that's a bad sign for your offense when you're at home and you can't score on Kansas. And then Tech at the end of the year. I mean, Baron Morton's back. But that's a – look, if Texas beats TCU and Iowa State, right, Texas is going to be so jacked up for the Tech game it's not even funny. So I think it's TCU this weekend. Rod, what do you
0: think? Last three games. Which one's the toughest?
2: Yeah, um, I think you guys pretty much nailed it, uh, Bobby. You're right because the likelihood – of Malik starting the, uh, the you know another game, the highest likelihood would be the TCU game, and then Quinn would probably be back for the Iowa State game and the Tech game. Um, I agree with what Jerry just brought up too about TCU's wide receivers. And we we talked about this, right? Texas DB struggled with twitchy, fast wide receivers on the outside. Guys who can run. These guys at TCU, they can run. Like the U of H wide receivers, the Oklahoma wide receivers, um, even Alabama wide receivers. And if you're a pass first team, which TCU is, pass first, Texas also struggles against pass first teams, like U of H and like Oklahoma, pass first teams. For some reason, I have no idea why Sonny Dykes is so good versus Texas, but he is. I think he's undefeated when he plays Texas. Uh and they have the three high three down, which I think Sark has a good idea of how to uh how to solve, but I mean they still run it and they have one of the better secondaries actually. Might you argue the best secondary. In all the big 12, uh, they got some really good players. They'll play on Sundays in that secondary uh, Newton and Bud Clark. Those are good players. So that's a concern too, especially if you got a young quarterback. So I agree with you guys. I think it's, it's TCU right now e- easily uh, in my opinion, because they check a lot of boxes uh, about things that can be exposed against Texas.
0: I have to say this when uh, Daniel, Wee says hello from Malaysia. I've saved, I've shaved off several years of my life this weekend. Hey. Watching overtime games at 3 a.m. is too stressful. Add in daylight savings time. It must have hit probably that time over there, too. Probably, right? <laughs> Add another hour. All right. So this one from Colin Davis. Uh, thanks, Daniel, for the, the, the uh, message there, bud. Uh, oh, Rod, man. is it hard? I've, 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 concept, I've thought about this. Is it hard to hear other DBs talk to each other on the field when it's third and fourth down in the crowd inside DKR is incredibly loud, and y'all are 10 yards away from one another.
2: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well,
0: why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today.
2: Your savings are waiting.
0: Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.
2: You, yeah, you definitely can't hear each other uh, very well. You have hand checks, you have hand audibles, and if you're hive-minded, I always use that term, Coach Aquino loves it, hive-minded, and everybody's on the same page and looking at the same keys and indicators, you should be expecting a check. Remember I said in an Oklahoma game that David Bender was staring at the quarterback? And wasn't looking at the actual formation and what was going on and the young db Derek williams was bumping the coverage he's like hey man i'm bumping the coverage to you but DB bender was just staring into the backfield he didn't he didn't receive and confirm uh the audible all right and the check well that's part of it you know what i mean you got to be in that hive mind and that's so it, it's tough but you should be expecting you know a, a check and an audible you, if you're watching the formation and you're prepped and prepared, and you've been watching films, you should expect, oh, man, this guy goes, he's going to bump the, the, the strength of the formation, which is going to bump the coverage, or it's going to change the front. And if you're if you're a high fi- football IQ uh, defense, and like I said, you're all of the same accord and on the same page, that is it's something that you should be able to do consistently and, and can communicate really well, even without being able to verbally do it. You know what I mean? You should be able to understand like, Hey, I got this. We bump it over. Hey, we got tango. You got all your different kind of nonverbal cues. So it's not as hard as you think, uh, but it's, it, it has been a challenge for Texas communicating. And I will admit that, especially in two minute drills. Matter of fact, they struggled to win it again. It was a, right. it was a combination of two minute drill and sudden change, but we saw it, it rear its ugly head in the K-State game.
0: Rod, let me ask you this, that, that final play, uh, Texas. Will Howard said he's expecting man coverage. In yeah. Texas. That, Ryan so, Watts a look. Yeah. Ryan Watts. Ryan Watts did a great job of disguising that it was zone. Just a tre- tremendous job. He was locked up like it was man coverage until the snap of the ball. He didn't even look at Ben Sinot when he went in motion and sat on the inside. Yep. Didn't even look at him. He was selling it was man the whole way. That's just a subtle thing that I noticed that I thought was just tremendous from a pre-snap type of thing. And you have to have you have to know ahead of time what's going on and not to move, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, that, that that's gotta be tough for you guys to kind of sell that all the way through like that.
2: No, he's done that before. He's more comfortable playing close to the line of scrimmage. He will uh you know, kind of slough off in zone coverage, but he'll be lined up in press on the boundary he's really comfortable uh and 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 you can tell you gotta have great vision do that right you gotta be the c number two you gotta be see the quarterback you're playing the line of scrimmage and limit your vision a little bit usually in zone that's when a bump back but you're right because of his alignment the that was a key indicator to will howard that all right must be a man who who the hell else is gonna play bump and run unless you're playing cover two and you're bumping you know obviously bumping a receiver inside But if that's the case on the goal line, you'd be able to read the safeties and be able to tell that was the case, and it it didn't line up for him. All his key indicators didn't really match up, and that's why he held the ball and looked confused. And so, give Ron Watts a lot of credit, man. That's you know he got he got beat early in the game because he was I believe playing press man early in the game and got beat deep. And I told you guys, once you get him deeper into the routes, that's when he becomes vulnerable. But at the line of scrimmage, he's usually at his best, whether it's a run defender as a zone defender or in man, we can get his hands and reroute and redirect the uh, wide receiver.
0: All right. Uh, this one, thanks, Rod. This one from Aloha Traveler. Aloha from Kauai, fellas. Tough life you live over there. Uh, what portal additions, in your opinion, does Texas need to make an offseason to stay in playoff hunt next year? Well, I, I mean, playoff hunt next year means they would have a, a fantastic season. I will say this, based on what I know right now, Texas is looking at the following positions: wide receiver. They need an adult in the room. Yes. You they think they're going to lose a bunch? Tight end. They need a pass receiving guy with down the field. yeah down the field with the exit most likely of J.T. Sanders, Gunnar Hamlin, Spencer Shannon. Those guys are probably going to be good enough in that blocking category, right? Uh, as as uh, as they get older, etc. Then you have defensive tackle. You know you're going to lose to to Vondre Sweat. There's the possibility also of uh, losing uh, Byron Murphy as well as Alfred Collins. And then the last piece, I think, will be at safety. Yeah, Jalen Catalan will be gone. Jaron Thompson most likely gone. That leaves you with Michael Taft and Derek Williams. You probably want to find some speed back there to match with those guys. Uh, So those are the four spots, Aloha. That I know for sure, and the
1: and the most difficult to get the impact player, the difference maker, is D tackle.
0: No doubt, no doubt. I mean, there's not any. I mean, they they very, very, very rare. All right, this one from Justin Yarbrough, Jerry. Your thoughts on still getting a top five class, and how big of a recruiting pitch is it that two true freshmen are in the top ten on the team in tackles right now, Anthony Hill Jr. and Manny, as yeah. well. Oh, excuse me. Three, if you include Manny Muhammad, I meant Derek
1: Williams and Anthony Hill in the top yeah. 10. Yeah, I think a, uh, the chances are still good. I mean, look, Texas keeps winning games. Um, I think it's very, very good uh, because look, what's going to happen with Florida? They're not going to fire Billy, but that if they don't win another game this year, they're five and seven after six and six. And direction of the program starts, and that's starting at AM when. Direction of the program starts, then that's not that's the worst thing you can hear in recruiting, guys. That's the worst thing you can hear. Um, and then Florida's 24 schedule, may be the hardest I've ever seen in college football, honestly. Um, so if you if you don't win another game in your Florida and you're five and seven after that loss to Arkansas, was not a good team this year, then man, it's it, it doesn't look great for you. Um, and then AM, who knows what's gonna happen, but I can tell you this there's nothing positive coming out of AM right now. And when there's nothing positive and there's what's the direction of the program, you're already seeing guys bail, bail, even the, the going to LSU. Um, I mean, let me, on the let me ask
0: you this, Jerry. Let, let me ask you this. As it relates to Texas here, okay, does the, in your opinion, does the success of an Anthony Hill, a Derek Williams, and the amount of reps, Manny Muhammad, those guys, does that play into the thought process of a guy like Kobe Black and Xavier feel no you know, I don't think it does
1: i, I Xavier feels same if he thinks Texas heading in a better direction and I could go be an impact player there they're gonna have a they're gonna have a legitimate shot to get him and I, and I think that's where kids are at i mean I, I do think it helps that they're playing um or early and they have a shot. I think it does help uh but it only helps if you're winning to me I mean <laughs> if Very you're, good. no in Texas is that that's Florida, is. the thing Florida a m yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. So as long as Texas keeps winning and kids see a path to the field, especially the early enrollees, that's the key in all this recruiting stuff. Manny early enroll. I mean, Derek Williams is one of the few early enrollees that uh, that's ended up being a yeah, wasn't necessarily an impact player, but has had an impact as the season moved along. Um, Kelvin Banks says Texas had to have a left tackle. That that was pretty much, hey, bud, you're out there, dude. Go do it. Uh, that was the situation Kyle Flood was in an offensive line. But Anthony Hill coming in as an early enrollee. Manny Muhammad is an early enrollee. You're seeing some of these early enrollee guys. Xavier Phil Same is an early enrollee. Kobe Black's an er- early enrollee. Ryan Watts is leaving the program. You talked about the safeties leaving the program. Texas has some a sales pitch to these guys right now, and I think they're going to get more in their fair share. I'm very interested to see what Wardell Mack does.
0: Oh, interesting. That's a big name that everybody wants to know. Rod, this one's for you, buddy. Uh, from Brian Upchurch. Appreciate it, Brian. Uh, do you guys think that the coaches see our DBs getting beat in press man coverage in practice? And this thereby explains the insistence of playing soft zones? It could be if you think you're going to play Xavier Worthy every week.
2: Yeah, I think they also – I saw him in this game, and I have to go back and track it because I'm not done tracking the game. I just watched it. I'm going to go back and track and chart. Uh, But I – I saw them playing bump and run on the field and the boundary side. Now, Ryan Watts loves to play press. even As we just talked about, even when he's playing zone sometimes, he'll play from a press alignment. The field is what I think most people are complaining about. And I saw them playing a little bit more press on the field side. So I do think, as Sark mentioned, based on the coverage – that de- that determines the technique they're playing. So it's just about whatever coverage they're playing. That's why they're playing soft. And we saw later in the game they started to play coverages that obviously lent themselves to them playing soft and playing off uh, coverage a lot of the times. And and you know maybe they were just playing less aggressive. But I I thought PK actually in this game um, did a pretty. I, I thought he was more aggressive. I thought he was more aggressive overall. There were run blitzes early yes. downs. Early like, down defense. Early down run blitz is really aggressive. Uh, I I thought I love the like basically, I'm calling the Blackwell package where they have Mo Blackwell out there with Jalen Ford with Anthony Hill. Look how diverse they are, those two guys overhangs. I and they, you know, they they blitz out that package, they do a lot of funky stuff. And I thought they were troubleshooting in the BYU game, seems like they were based on how they used it in the K State game. So I, I, know, I know PK's game plan was pretty good. Basically, he took away the run. He made them one-dimension. He forced K-State to abandon uh, the run game. And they not just abandon, they took it out in the backyard and shot it and buried it. All right? <laughs> they just started to throw the football. And, you know, Texas hey, gave up some plays. But I, I do think overall that, that the game plan for PK worked. Uh, about the, the DBs playing press and when they're playing off, I think he's worried about whether his D-line can finish on plays if they're playing press. If you're playing press, you're trying to take away the quick game, and you're trying to redirect the wide receiver, force the quarterback to hold on to the football, right? If they hold on to the football, the purpose is that you get sacked and you get home. I think PK's worried about them actually getting home. And in this game, they did, though. Your defensive ends got home, Sorrell and Ethan Burke. So maybe now, more and more, he'll trust those young DBs to come up, and they're not just young, play press, and then that the pass rush will get home because it certainly didn't in the case they came, But that's a run-first team deciding to throw. So they're outside their comfort zone. What happens when there's a pass-first team, all right, like TCU, that's accustomed to that and they have workarounds?
0: I I want to segue this. This is why I brought this one up, this other question from Lane C right up right next to it. As a starter, Josh Hoover has thrown 52, 43, and 57 times for TCU. Exactly. And his yeah. three starts as a true freshman. What concepts do they like to run and how can our defense slow it down? I want to preface this by saying Kendall Briles is the offensive coordinator at TCU. They run a very similar style offense to what Jeff Levy in Oklahoma run
2: yep.
0: uh, up in Norman. So dang,
2: dang, dang, I, dang, dang. All right, go for it. <laughs> what,
0: what kind of run, what kind of concepts do they like to run and how does the defense slow it down?
2: I mean, you just hit the nail on the head. They go run, <laughs> they go run a lot of the same concepts Oklahoma did. They'll, uh you'll see them run the mesh concepts. A lot of variant shoots, so wide splits uh, of those wide receivers trying to force those safeties to be in no man's land. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's basically what Oklahoma does. But I don't know if Hoover is the same threat running as Gabriel. Uh, I gotta go, and uh, you've probably watched more film on TCU than me, uh, Jerry. Um, I'm watching that this week, but. Um, if he's a running threat, that would offer even more you know, issues for Texas potentially.
1: I'll tell you what I saw today. Here's the big difference between Oklahoma and, and TCU. Um, I think wide receiver talent's actually very similar for those two teams. Um, I, TCU may have more depth at wide receiver. But here's the difference. Uh, Oklahoma's offensive tackles were really good. Mm-hmm. TCU, Texas Tech got – at, even though TCU has the same returning tackles this year – I, offensive line not as good as OU. Texas Tech was getting after those guys a little bit. I think Texas is going to destroy TCU inside like they did K State, and I think the edges are going to be able to get pressure, just like they did K State against TCU. I think Texas defensive line is going to make it much tougher on Josh Hoover because they're going <laughs> to have. <laughs> gonna like go. Ian Praychar sure. said, I went to high school with Hoover. you.
0: Like- up, you-
2: yeah, you,
1: he went to Rockwall Heath, man. Y'all had a hell of a team and a hell of a baseball team.
0: Man, <laughs> Josh Hoover's little brother is a stud baseball player now, stud. Hey, basketball. I've got to I, I, I've got to say thanks real quick and want to to say a thank you to our sponsor of the Sunday night live stream before we get to other uh, questions tonight. Uh, Sunday night's live stream brought to you by the guys at the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications. Business development and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. That's www.crossoakgroup.com. We really appreciate him. He had a crush on my girl. <laughs> he made a date for a pick. Nice. I, I, it's not my girlfriend, but I nominate that to be the case. Everybody, <laughs> agree. everybody. In All right. I like that. Well done, this for you, bud. Uh, and I, I believe this is uh, uh, DC history. This is American uh, Arab Emirates is wow. where this uh, is from. I'll go, I, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go pick up that super chat in person. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it'll only take you 24 hours to get there. The last decade. It felt like recruits came to UT saddled with expectations of being, quote, saviors of the program. We seem to finally be in a position where young guys can come in and just fall in line with an established winning culture. I There's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. Um, but I will say this. Sarkis had to establish that winning culture. Yeah. In part by developing what he had on hand. I mean, Christian Jones, Jake Majors, um, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins, uh, even Baron Sorrell to a degree was that uh, he, he signed with Texas after uh, Herman had gotten let go. Uh, what, what do y'all think? I mean, Rod, you've been through it. Jerry, you've seen it and talked to the kids. Your, your thoughts? I think the best thing I can say is um,
1: I, I, what Sark's done as far as changing the culture. Showed up Saturday, and I, I, we've mentioned U of H, but this was even bigger because uh, this was even bigger. Kansas State legitimately had a shot to beat you, um, and and that's two times it's happened in the last three games, which is scary, right? But um, I think that's what you're you're seeing right here. I mean, and and here's the other thing: is this is the biggest thing for me and. and So we talked about this, Bobby, this morning. Take a Sadir Mitchell, okay? He's not having the freshman season he wanted to have. He's not playing as much as he wanted to. And, Rod, I want you to address this too. But Bo Davis is going to coach that guy hard and make him a lot better player. And all proof of concept for Bo is there. Sadir, just listen to me. I got you. I got your back. I'm going to get you where you want to go. Ask Tavondre Sweat what's happened the last three years. Ask Byron Murphy. Go ask Keandre Coburn. These are the things I'm seeing, guys, that is the biggest difference is, you know, there's highly recruited freshmen. You got to have a little Jonte Cook. We've had discussions about Jonte. You got to have a, I know it's tough. You got to have a little patience. But if you do, I mean, if you're Sadir Mitchell, Bo has a great thing to tell you. Look, man, I'm hard on you. I love you. I got your back. I'm trying to get you where these guys are about to be three months from now. It takes a little time. But that's what I'm seeing. I'm not sure I addressed that question perfectly. um, But I think they're just bringing in more of those guys. They're bringing in more talent. And they have the coaching staff to build the culture. And and where you start to see culture to me in a program is highly ranked kids showing some patience. Look how many guys – that Nick Saban recruited that had to show patience before they hit the field that were ranked top 20, 50, 75 kids in the country. Those are the things I'm seeing that if the kids will stay the course, this program is going to do really, really well moving forward.
2: Yeah, I I think, you know, it's about the guys having trust in the plan and in the vision for Sark. And the only way as a player you're going to have trust in that one is – Getting back to something Jerry brought up, right? Can you help me accomplish my goals? Yep. I want to go to the league. Right? I want to be an All-American. I want to be the best player at my position in the country. I want the best. All right. So I, I want to get drafted and I want to, I want to win a lot of games. You know, I want to play for championships. I want to play with great players. Those are pretty much the four things that all players in my generation wanted and they still want today. It's still pretty mainline. You can add in NIL and all that kind of stuff, but I'm talking about just getting to the meat of it and the culture of it. And if can prove that, oh, no, I can help you achieve those things, which getting back to Jerry's point, you know, the guys in front of you that he's developed already that have already gone to the NFL now and started that pipeline, he can can point to those guys. Hey, no, man, we've already – this is proof of concept. We've done it. We, We can do it with you. We've done it with this guy. We've done it with this guy. Um, and that's why that Bama game was so important, right? I talked about this after the Bama game, that that was proof of concept. It worked. All the, the, the coaches could go back now to, to the guys and say, guys, all the stuff that we were telling you about, the game plan, the preparation, the, the off-season workouts, uh, the weight room, the diets, the nutrition, everything. Guys, it this was what it was for, so that you could go to Tuscaloosa and beat Bama, something that... I don't know, only one team has done the last, I don't know, 50-something games, whatever it was, right? That's how rare a was, and essentially that to the, to the guys almost helps them to re-engage, recommit themselves. They may have thought, like, man, I'm putting in a lot of work. But actually, man, if that's the result I get, man, I should put in even more work and see what the result could be, what the possibilities could be. So I think it's all about the trust now they have in Sark and in the vision and in the coaching. They have now they believe. Why wouldn't they believe? There ain't one. Right? Uh, there's only one game where it didn't work out for them. So if I'm the players, like now, there's total buy-in. We knew there was buy-in, but now there is like complete commitment from everybody in that organization, everybody within the uh, the, the athletic department. That man, Texas, can be a special team this year.
0: All right. Uh, this is the Sunday night live stream brought to you by the guys at the Crossout Group. Uh, this next one, I want to combine into one question. There's two two different uh, super chats. Otto Lab asking, Are afraid about first year in SCC? who will be QB1? OK, that's part one. And then this one from Jay, the activist uh, who posts here a lot. How different is Malik Murphy than Joe Milton? Well, um, well, Milton runs a little bit more than Malik Murphy ever will, for sure. But they're both big dudes that can see over the defense and have an absolute gun. Um, are we afraid though? Who starts next year in the SEC? Or are we just? I, I'm i not afraid of I'm what not next year I'm in the not. SEC. What I what I will say is this: uh, it's the unknown. You know yeah. how is Texas physically going to match up? You know, are I, I and I will say this: I don't think there are a bunch of gimmick defenses in the SEC like there are in the Big Twelve. Right, Rod. I mean, you and I have talked about this. Yeah, they play more straight up because yeah. they've got, got guys play in the league too. that right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that sort of stuff kind of gets mitigated a little bit, in my opinion. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Look, we're we're early. We're, we'll find out where Texas ends up in the portal and some other things, but. Those two things right now are are, are interesting to me. Yeah.
1: At this point. To uh, on Joe Milton, to your point, yeah, similar size guys. Milton's a better athlete, runs more obviously. Uh, I think there's a misconception about Joe Milton. Uh, he's thrown five. He's only thrown ten career interceptions, thirty-two touchdowns. The most interceptions he's ever thrown in a season's four. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so Malik Milton's taking care of the ball pretty well in his limited time in college. Uh, Malik's got three in two
0: games, at home. Hey, this one's for you guys. This one's for you guys. Elijah Perez: Is Texas capable of playing a less stressful brand uh-huh. of football? My wife is newly pregnant. Rife's, Rod's wife just gave birth, and these games right. <laughs> these games are stressing mamas out. What, are you, <laughs> what, <laughs> what is the reason why? Is it, it you? You mentioned earlier, Rod, the potential of Sark letting people back into the game a little bit with play calling not running clock, maybe. I mean, Malik Murphy, granted, he's a second, he's second string quarterback, second start. He's letting, you know, he's, he's letting, he's not snapping the ball with 15 seconds still left on the clock instead of under five. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, what, what can Texas do to make them less stressful? Just be more dominant would be one, but be smarter about the clock perhaps.
2: Yeah. I think, uh, I think uh, unfortunately some of that's on Sark. I, I think it is. I, I, I think Sark got to understand when you have, um, man, when you got your opponent down three, three scores, like you did in the U of H game or in this game, when you're up 20 to 21 points. I think there is a there's a way to to ad- to to kind of recalibrate, right, to adapt to the game, and that's why my criticism would be the feel of the game for Sark. I think Sark gets caught up as a play caller an offensive mind and, off mine, and he's, he kind of leaves the head coaching space <laughs> and he just gets really caught up in, man, we got to score some points, score touchdowns. So it's like, yes, but also, you know, there you can manage this game a little bit better. Make sure your defense doesn't have to get on the field again. If they do, it'll be with a very little time left. Because I think about that. I think he gets caught up in, Hey, if I score another touchdown here, you know, we can ha- put this team away. That is true. Um, but as Jerry pointed out prior to, you know, that, that that drive where he, he, you know, he throws the interception, he throws his first pick. If you approach it differently and run the football, there may be other opportunities for you to, to put the dagger in the heart, but maybe you could just do it in a more conservative way and a less risky way, right? And I think Sark, he's all, you know, Sark, he doesn't care about risk. Like he's, he'll take the, he'll gamble. Like, hey, Sark likes to gamble and take shots and take chances and I think there are, there are times for it, and then there are times where you may need to, you know, hey, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. I think start struggles with when to fold them and know take when to the hold them. Goal, take
0: the field goal and the three-score lead sometimes, bud. Yeah. That, that's what, that's yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Hey, uh, Charlie B., I, and I, I want to say this. The term that I used the other day that somebody sent to me was risk management. Yeah, I like that. Got to understand risk management. Charlie B with the super sticker. Thank you, Charlie B. Uh, we appreciate all you guys that are doing the super chats as well as everybody here joining us on Sunday night. Uh, here, here's uh, one, another one from Aloha Traveler, fellas. Any chance viewers returns for next year? Jerry, you've been adamant. It, 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 you know, I, I know you have some insight there. You just feel he's going to go to the draft and that will be it. He's going to yes. get a high enough grade, whether it's first, second round, et cetera. Yes. Yes, I I, I think he, I I he's not coming back.
2: <laughs> Boom!
0: Wow! Yeah, there you go, <laughs> <laughs> Sean Ray. Uh, how was Mac? And, and Rod, I'll leave this one for you, uh, because I think it it speaks a little bit to what you're talking about. How was Mac able to keep first round talent like Benson, Ricky, Roy, and now we lose people to the draft that are third and fourth rounders? I want to add this. Jerry was mentioning Bo Davis as a defensive line coach that prepared people. Yeah. You guys had somebody in Dwayne Aquina that did the same. Yes, sir. How, how did uh, how did you really keep that around, or did that change? Maybe with JerMichael Finley and Jamal Charles, where the numbers and the money just started getting so serious from the NFL that it wasn't the same.
1: That's the yeah. thing that the, I'm going to let your Rod go. But the one, first thing, the salaries have gone up so much now. Go. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, yeah. I think yeah, that's part, that's a big part of it, guys. And you know, the culture was different, right? We live in a different era now. Right. I mean, we live in a different era where I mean we talk about you know just the running back position alone. And you know, that I think in modern era there's no way Ricky would have came back. Uh with the right. you know, different just just how much of uh analysis and how critical people are of – The right, you know, the timeline of running backs and that kind of thing. So I think, first of all, Mac did a great job, probably the greatest recruiting job he's ever done was keeping Ricky here because then it kind of starts the the momentum and the role for Texas after that. But, yeah, these days, I just you don't see a lot of those stories. Like, give me how many of those really high profile first, second round guys that decide to stay. Now, you said even third and fourth round guys are leaving now, too. And that goes to Jerry's point because they're getting more money now. Like third, I was drafted in the fourth round. Those guys are making twice as much money now as Rodney was making and getting drafted in the fourth round. So, and, and everybody wants to get to the second contract. The sooner you get to the second contract, yes. that's really what it's about. The average NFL career is three and a half years. That's it. <laughs> All right. So, if you can get past that, then you get to the second contract and that's your big money, especially now with a Ricky Wade scale and everything being slotted. So, the sooner you go, if you believe that you're just an NFL player, you believe that you can play in the league? Yeah, Caden Stearns was like, man, I know I can make a roster. I'm going to make a roster in the league. You know, why the hell am I going to stay in school another year when I know I can make a roster? No, I didn't get a first or a second-round grade. But am I an NFL player? Hell, yeah, I am. So you got guys out of his position that go, man, I'm going. And it was a good move by him. He is an NFL player. If you're going to get paid, you're going to have reps, get paid for your reps as soon as you can. So it's an individual decision. More and more guys are deciding to go for the money, like Jerry says. And it makes sense for him.
1: I think the one this year, Bobby, is Jonathan Brooks. Okay? Jonathan Brooks had a hell of a season. Yeah, Now he's getting banged up towards the end of the season, taking a lot of punishment. There's no way in hell he should think about coming back next year. He's a running back with a short lifespan. Go pro. Go make your money. They already retired your jersey in Hallsville. Maybe you'll get the dope too. I don't know. Ollie Gordon may rip it out. Rip it out here late in the season. Go, man. Go. I don't care if you're a third round pick or not. Texas recruiting really good players.
0: Go pro, man. Don't come back. I know. I don't know. Well. I, no, I don't necessarily agree with that because there's some value here. here. Here's the thing that you mentioned. Okay, you mentioned he's banged up. That's his third straight year of being banged up. Maybe he needs to get stronger before he goes plays in a bigger league that gets him a little more, that's even more physical. Like I, I, no, I'm serious, man. He, and you got to remember Jerry, he did, he, he's from Howlitzville. Yeah. He he did. He was playing what, four sports in high school. Yeah. He, He wasn't playing one. Like, I mean, so I think some guys to Rod's point need to go. I don't know that Jonathan Brooks is in that same category, because physically, I think he's just—he's not even there yet. No, like I think he's got another ten pounds of just sheer muscle to go. Uh, because, and partly because he—he's been injured, you know. You can't stack weight that way. All right, um, here's Eric seventy-six. Uh, if Harbaugh is gone in Michigan and at Michigan, what recruits and seniors oh. underclassmen would be targeted in the portal? I'll just say this: there's a ton. There's no, um, there's no the commitment. There's no commitments, right? That that we know of, Jerry. You and I have talked about this. Nah, the, nobody, Texas, has been after. Okay, but there's guys like Rod Smith, the defensive lineman last year from Illinois, that's up there that they that Texas tried to get in on late. There's, I can tell you, there's twenty to thirty guys they would probably be interest. Texas would be interested in in the portal. Yeah, right, Jerry. But specific names right now, you have any, Jerry, or just? Now nah, I, I think it's way too early for that
1: for me. Um, the, the, all they have look, Jim Harbaugh said before the season they have 20 guys that'll get drafted this year off that yeah. team. I mean, so take 20 off the roster. You're already down the 65. I mean, you know, they yeah. have some talented players, but um, yeah, but here's the other thing: you got to see who they hire. I mean, what if they go hire somebody and gets the kids really? They're not gonna leave. I mean, this stuff's fun to talk about right now, but um, just throw throw a name out that Michigan could hire, and the kids will say, "But why am I going to leave? This guy's a great coach, man. I mean, I just I just don't I don't see it being a mass exodus like people think it would, could be."
0: Kellen DeBoer. There you that go. What would be one? You know, I mean, but he's not exactly known as a defensive coach, which is what Harbaugh uh, has, even though he's an offensive guy. Uh, He's got Michigan playing great defense right now, more so than any kind of interesting offense. Uh, Katie, 35 I am the best. We can't say specific names, but good idea of how many guys you think enter the portal and or go to the NFL draft. My over and under on the portal is about 10. Uh, I think, Jerry, we've said... You mean leaving? Yeah, leaving. leaving? Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, just probably fewer than that would be my first guess because I thought they had the big... uh, the guys that really weren't show, weren't showing up much has have already left, and and I'm not trying to be rude about that, but now Sark getting more into his own classes and guys that he's got some some uh, uh, time into, so to speak. I don't know what the total number would be, but I would say that, and I do think that Texas is going to have at least three, four, maybe even five juniors declare for the draft. Yeah. I mean, if if you're already talking about a sophomore redshirt sophomore and uh, young man like Quinn Ewers, then you got to think about JT Sanders probably looking that way, Byron Murphy probably looking that way, uh, Ryan Watts maybe or maybe not looking that way, whether it's as a corner as a safety. There's there's just a number of guys in that category right now.
1: Uh, and by the way, this is the one thing we talked about before the season. If Texas goes on, we were thinking ten and two. If they go on and have a ten and two or better season. At Texas, that means guys have probably improved their draft stock. That means guys are making plays, right? Um, somebody's asking about uh, Xavier Worthy. I, I would put him about the same as when you were zero at nine, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but so look the best case scenario for Sart. I this is the best case scenario, and people are worried about the first year in the SEC. I'm not as worried. Here's the best case scenario: all those guys are good enough to go pro. And you have nine, ten guys drafted coming off an eleven or twelve win season. You know how good that is for Sark. Mm-hmm. Hell, okay. that's that. That's uh, other than winning a national championship, that's as much as you can ask uh, for as a, as a college head coach.
0: All right, uh, we got time for a few more questions right now. Uh, let's start with this one. This is more of a comment, and man, this one warms my heart a little bit. To be honest with you, Shannon Hansen, Good morning from the Middle East. Just hoping we are talking about another win a week from now. Want to set that foot on the neck of another team without letting up Rod and Jerry, he's speaking our language. <laughs> I think yeah. I think everybody's the same. I mean, winning is, uh, winning is addictive. I would say it's the best way to put it. You want to do it the more you do it. Uh, and so, uh, very excited about where this team is and, and Shannon, uh, Truly, honestly, thank you for your service as yeah. well. I think I, everybody I, I, here says...
1: Hey, Bobby, the question we need to answer. Uh, portal dates, December 4th, a week from yesterday that was. Uh, is December 4th is when the portal officially opens.
0: Got it. All right. Here's a question talking about the portal from Mike Moran. Will Texas wow. obtain... Evan Stewart. If Jimbo Fisher gets fired again, that's the same thing, Jerry. It all depends on who the guy is.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I don't know about that. I, I don't know if I see that one. Um, yeah. um, I, I just, I'm not sure I see that one. I'll, I'll be honest. We'll see what happens. But I just got always go back to how many five stars that have worked with margin have
0: ended up at the same school. Margit Hooks, who you're talking about, who uh, t- uh, who coaches uh, high school and trains guys in high school as wide receivers, particularly in the Metroplex Dallas Fort Worth area. Our early That's high school over. signing dates,
1: December twentieth. Somebody just asked that, so we're forty six
0: days away. Jonte Cook, Micah Hudson, yeah. uh, guys like that as well. All right, uh, this one from Texas Life. We've we've answered this, but I think this is probably a good one to wrap it up tonight, guys. Um, because it comes back around to really what took a lot of our time this evening uh, from Texas life. Do you think Arch Manning should get a chance with the way Malik Murphy has been, been reckless with the ball? I want to, I want to put, I want to put all three of us on the spot, Rod and Jerry. Okay. I'll do it. I'll go first. Okay. This is not, if, if this is the case and you cannot go to Quinn Ewer's, so take Quinn Ewers out of the equation. Do you think Arch Manning should get a chance with the way Malik Murphy has been reckless with the ball? My answer is yes. Depending on practice this week, decide it during during the week on practice. Even though you're two and zero oh, as a starter, you can't turn the ball over like that and expect to play with fire and not get burned. That's my opinion, Rod. Are
2: we talking about starting? Like I, I think started? we're just saying go with him. Get a chance, whatever that means. Does that mean just getting reps in the game, or are we talking about starting? Because those are two different I I, I, w- I was literally I, – I went all the way there. I was talking We're about I, okay. I was You're talking about starting. Um, man, you just have four turnovers in two games. I'm going to say that, yeah, you should give them a chance. You got to think about it because it would be irresponsible as a coach not to give them a chance. If indeed he is, like you said, giving you, I don't know, reasonably consistent first team reps in practice. Like I like said, we we're not privy to practice, so I don't know what's exactly happening there. I know he's getting first team reps. First team reps look good enough, and they're comparable to Malik's. Yeah. I mean, the two turn, the, the two turnovers, the four turnovers, I should say. Uh so average of two turnovers per game in his first two starts are concerning. But so I'll say yeah. Jerry, uh,
1: look, if you're up, at, if Quinn can't go and you're up at TCU and you have a couple early turnovers, absolutely. Absolutely. So you're more yeah. off the bench
0: type. Yeah. So I, I, I'm to the point where and I'll be honest with you guys. I, I think it should be whoever performs the best in practice over the next four days, because even though Malik now has some very valuable experience, I mean, it, it, it's been experienced, but it hasn't necessarily ended. I, I haven't seen, inc- I haven't seen enough improvement, and I think that another thing that's going to happen is against TCU, they know what to take away now from Malik Murphy. BYU didn't give up enough of a fight to take something away. Kansas State said, "Okay, we're going to finally take something away from this quarterback and see what he can do." That that that's an issue. So they gave almost, them
2: easy stuff early on, too. Easy man reads. Yes, that's what TCU I'm saying. So,
0: yeah, they TCU won't do it. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and you, I don't think at a night game, uh, at TCU, where to, to Jerry's point earlier, it makes their season, I don't think you can give it to them. I think you gotta, you gotta make them earn it. So, all right. Uh, but I will say this. It's a hell of a good feeling being eight and one as opposed to yes. seven and two. <laughs> and
1: by the way, and by the way, if if Quinn can't go, and Malik goes uh, up the TCU, and Texas goes up the TCU, and they don't have a two or three qu- turnover game from the quarterback position, a uh, Texas is a much better team. TCU's their their offensive line is going to struggle against the Texas defensive line. They aren't going to magically get better mm-hmm. in this four days of practice to go against mm-hmm. Texas. The TCU safeties, are, they don't have speed. Um, this team has not tackled well at all. They got blown out by Kansas State. They may go back to Chandler Morris. Um, we'll see what happens if he's ready to go. So Sunny Sonny going to change quarterbacks? They've lost four or five. Um, the uh, TCU defensive line, Dominic Williams, is very good over the ball. The other guys aren't good pressuring the quarterback in their three-man front. There's a lot of things in Texas favor in this game if they just don't just hand the ball to Sonny Dykes.
0: Got it. Uh, I want to get in this last Super Chat because he put it in right as we were saying last question. Uh, if Brooks stays, is he good enough to hold off Baxter another year? It looks like it to me if he gets stronger in particular. Um, but I'll also, I'm waiting to see Cedric Baxter grow.
2: That's, another, well. reason. That's another reason I think he'll... Man, if if he's the number one running back on the board like he is right now by our Pro Football Focus, I think you gotta go. I, I agree. You gotta get stronger, but you can do that on a practice squad. Uh, <laughs> Rod B, Rod squad.
0: Hey, this is good stuff, Rod. I appreciate it, man. Hey, uh, this has been the the Sunday night Longhorn live stream. More than a thousand of you joining us tonight. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Yeah, uh, we'll thank you, you. Back tomorrow morning with coffee and football, myself. Uh, Jerry Hamilton uh, hosted by Blake Monroe uh, for not only Jerry Hamilton here, Rod Babers. Uh, this has been pr- presented by the Cross Oak group. We appreciate you guys. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, and hook them. Hook em. Hey, we may have TJ
1: Ford on.